Hi, I'm Susan Raff, and welcome to Real Talk. We are definitely in a political season with the campaigns in full swing and the election in November, just a little over a month away. But there's a buzzword going on that we've been hearing, and that is ranked choice voting. Uh, some states have it, very few, but a lot of cities have it. And in fact, Governor Lamont recently said that he supports it and would like to see Connecticut uh, have ranked choice voting. Uh, it's not uh, something that is simple. It has uh, some complexity to it, but those who are doing it like it. Uh, so we wanted to get some perspective. And so we invited Scott McLean, a political science professor at Quinnipiac University, uh, who is very knowledgeable about ranked choice voting voting to share what it is, what it's about, and, you know, kind of its pluses and minuses. So thank you for joining us on Real Talk. Happy to be here, Susan. Right. One of the things that I did not realize uh, was that, um, you know, some, uh, the independent party in Connecticut has been doing it for quite some time. And I think that came to light when Republican gubernatorial candidate Bob Stefanowski did not win the independent nomination at their caucus. And they've been doing it for 20 years. But it is still, it's fairly new for a lot of people, isn't it? Oh yeah, it's it's a it's a very rare thing, you know. Only Maine and Alaska use it for their statewide elections. Um, it it creates a different psychological situation for the voter, um, um, basically because in ranked choice voting, you vote for who you want um, rather than the lesser of two evils, um, as it would be in a plurality sort of election. People don't have to feel the pressure to not waste their vote on some third party or minor candidate that doesn't have a real chance to win. But with ranked choice voting, you can express your true preference as your number one vote and maybe one of the uh, major candidates who are more likely to win for your second or third preference. And uh, that that significantly changes the psychological situation for the voter. But I also think that changes um the structural environment and i know that sounds fancy but the rules of the game <laughs> i'll say it differently sounds very the rules, academic <laughs> it changes the it changes the rules of the game of campaigns so that they're likely to be less polarized um well, likely us- to have less negative attack ads and and things of that nature that we all say we don't like well, take us through. Let's 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 take it. Uh, you know, ranked choice voting one hundred and one for people. Yeah. Say you have four candidates, right, who right. are on the ballot. So instead of picking, you know, the best one that you like, you can rank those four. Tell me what happens to those others and how right. the, the, those others move up or move out. So let's uh, let's just take your example of a, a four candidate race for governor and. Uh, you, the voter, would vote for your first preference, second preference, third preference, fourth preference. Um, all those votes uh, are are counted, and everyone's first preference is counted. And if no candidate gets an absolute majority of the first preferences, the candidate who had the least first preferences is dropped out of the race. And all of that candidate's second preferences will go to those candidates. And if no candidate gets an absolute majority after that round, then we do it all again. Then the next candidate 
is dropped and all of that candidate's second preferences are put onto uh, 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 those candidates and I until think you an absolute majority is reached. Right. And I think you explained it to me once when I had the opportunity to speak with you that what you get out of it is a candidate who a majority peop- of people like. Maybe yeah. not their first choice, but is that right? Well, yeah. And it's, you know, right right now, I think most people will tell you that they don't like any of their choices when it comes to the two major party candidates. They usually hold their nose and vote for the least uh, disagreeable candidate. The one the one that that is uh, kind of the one that they will accept, but they're not happy with this. This system says you vote your first preference or your real first preference and your second preference might be a similar candidate in a different party mm-hmm. um, that you don't love the most, but you'd be happy with. And what do so you think the, the advantages list. are of ranked choice voting? Why do you think it's better than what we have now? Um, the advantage, number one, is that it requires these political candidates to try to build wider coalitions um, rather than trying to build a following of rabid supporters um, that may win the most votes, but won't have a majority of support in the state. This is a system where candidates will have to actively try to, to become people's second choice, become people's acceptable choice, which means that um, for the most part, your candidates will be uh, more moderate in their message, um, that that um, the decision to go negative against your opponents is much riskier and therefore Why less is likely that? to happen. Why because is that? Because if you're if you're if you're attacking your opponents, um, you might lose some of those second preference votes that might have gone to your might have gone to you, but you've attacked your opponent. And so you may have closed off the chance to build your coalition beyond your core of support at, by by going negative. So it's going to moderate those those kinds of negative attacks, and it will also moderate the a real problem that we have in our democracy right now, which is this deep polarization and distrust between political parties. Parties will have to build coalitions if they want to win. Democrats will have to reach out to parties that are maybe minor parties um, that have a similar platform and message as, as them in order to win. Republicans would have to start doing the same. So instead of attacking each other, they're going to spend more time building bridges to those other voters that aren't happy with the two major political parties. So they're not going to be as polarized. They're not going to only cater to the base or the one particular group of people. If you're running this kind of a campaign where you're running against two or three other candidates or more, you're going to have to try to bring more people into that. Yeah. And it's uh, it's a kind of a theoretical thing, Susan, um, because it's only been tried in a couple of places. It's also been tried in Australia and uh, other countries. So we have we have some evidence that, you know, when people tell us on surveys, like at the Quinnipiac University poll, that uh, they don't they are they're not happy with their choices that the two major political parties are giving them and that they wish they had more choices. But. Because we have a winner-take-all system, 
the voter is under pressure to vote for one of the two major parties because if they don't they don't want to quote unquote waste their vote on a third party candidate that has no chance of winning. But this is a system in which you can vote for a third party if that's your preference um, and have one of the major parties be your second or third preference and not, quote unquote, waste your vote. Right. Uh, It's so true because people are concerned about I mean, take the governor's race in Connecticut, for example. You have your Republican, Bob Stefanowski, Democrat, Ned Lamont, but you also have Rob Hodling, uh, who's on the ballot and, in fact, just participated uh, in their first uh, debate. Uh, And whether people like him or not, uh, you know, they're going to ultimately feel that he can't win because he doesn't have the kind of money or visibility or notoriety or whatever, and they're not going to vote for him. Even though people may want a third option, they may not like the other two candidates, they may feel that way, right? Yeah, and we can really find out if people truly support third-party um, candidates. So, you know, right now people are generally just say, I wish I had more options. I wish I had a third party. Um, if you change this voting system and use ranked choice voting, absolutely, we will find out just how popular the independent party is in Connecticut or the Green Party or uh, the Working Families Party. So we'll be able to see that because people will be less inhibited in voting for them. Um, and and, and in, in some sense, it will help those third parties to be able to claim, look, here's our support. We can um, now start to say, you know, to our party voters, um, vote for us, but then put uh, the Democrat or the Republican as your second choice. So that kind of coalition building is 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 what makes ranked choice voting one possible answer to the deep negative polarization that we have in our political system right now. What about cross endorsement? So in this case, it's somewhat unique and I think a bit historic. It's been a hundred years since a governor has been endorsed by three parties. Right. So Governor yeah. Lamont has the Democrats, Working Families and the Griebel Frank Party named after Oz Griebel, who started that when he ran for governor in 2018. So you have one candidate. Uh, and how do you I mean, is that an optimal situation or should you have different uh, candidates? And how does cross endorsement yeah. work in a ranked choice voting system? Yeah, there. There's there's a lot packed into that, Susan. Because, I know. <laughs> because uh, so the first thing I would probably respond to is that cross endorsements are a kind of a Band-Aid on the system we currently have for a third party. So third parties saying, well, if we put our own candidates out there, you know, people will feel they waste their votes and they're not going to get a lot of votes and we won't really be able to build our party, our base of our supporters with um, some unknown candidate. So we'll cross endorse a better known major party candidate and and say that they are our candidate and in hopes that people will vote for, say, Ned Lamont under the Working Families Party and that, and that the Working Families Party is then getting those votes. But everyone knows that that's really a vote for the Democrats. Correct. Ranked choice 
sort of removes that pressure onto the third party to cross endorse, um, it probably wouldn't make a whole lot of sense in a ranked choice system to have cross endorsements. Um, cross endorsements are, you know, done that way because we don't have ranked choice voting. So it would probably make it less and less likely to happen. You would see cross endorsements. So the working parties family or the Oz Griebold party uh, uh, candidate, they can they can say vote for our party, vote for our candidate. Right. And in this election, they, they didn't have a candidate. They decided to endorse Lamont. Uh, what are some of the negative or the complicated uh, things that arise when you have ranked choice voting. I mean, New York City recently did it. I understand there were some issues there. Uh, I understand recounts are kind of difficult. I mean, what are some of the things that need the kinks, if you will, that need to be worked out to make it a better system? Right. Yeah. So uh, th- I, I think there are some th- some downsides to it, ma- mainly because people aren't used to it. Um, we've had a very long tradition in this country of having, you know, plurality elections in which the person with the most votes wins. Um, and that, that's, that winner that take all and that, and winner take all, right. It's one seat and you know, that whoever gets the most votes, even if it's not a majority, that's the person that wins. And that tends to create a two party system where, you know, um, parties are building, um, coalitions, to the extent that they can get the most votes. Um, this is a system that would force parties to build bigger coalitions because now they have to get a majority, not just the most votes. And they're going to have to reach out to those minor parties to become at least the second preference of the voters for those third parties. So that that could get very complicated. It will make our politics a little more uh, complex And that might be a good thing um, if you prefer to see uh, a a fading away of this sort of harsh polarization. But it could be a bad thing in that our politics will get more complicated. It won't just be uh, a red or blue decision for the voter. And in some ways, that's an easier decision. You know, if you lean more towards the Republican side, even if you don't agree with everything the Republicans say, that's going to be your vote. Um, now the now the decision gets more complicated. Now you'll have to research uh, who you want to support a little more than than you're probably used to. Um, television ads and the information coming from these candidates might get a little more complicated than just you know the other side is a bunch of liars and jerks. It may um, not be a one be, issue kind of a campaign or a two issue. It, Maybe it's a few issues. It might become multi-issue and complicated. So so just for the campaign, it might make things complicated, which might be a good or bad thing, depending on your point of view. Uh, it definitely is going to make things like recounts more difficult, but um, we're not sure how often a recount would happen since, um, and since we're basically doing an automatic runoff every time until we get a majority. So it's it's unlikely um, that you would get exactly the same outcome um, like you would in in a different kind of election in a in a plurality. Election. So with that, Although it could happen. It would be pretty sure. complicated, and and people sure. might I, question the results because there's a lot of shuffling of votes that go around in in this system. 
And I, it's weird. I, I, you know, I was listening to uh, some of those who, yeah, it was in court when Bob Stefanowski was trying to challenge the nomination of Rob Hodling as the independent candidate and wanted to throw him off the ballot. I'm not sure that that was a good move on his part, but either way, uh, it was explained. I mean, they had, they don't call it recounts, but they had to because they had a tie. So they had mm-hmm. to keep doing it. And eventually the, the, there was a third person in that race who got bumped off. Uh, but so I guess you keep doing it and keep doing it until you get the majority. Is that right? Yeah. And it's it's different than, uh, you know, uh, what, uh, the thing about ranked choice voting as a system is that all of that is occurring automatically. It's not like we have to keep running another election or doing recount after recount. Um, you know, in some sense, ranked choice voting is 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 going to be less expensive. Um so why is that? We would, well, we wouldn't have to run a second election for for if we have a runoff system. So if we were to have a runoff system like, say, Louisiana has Louisiana has nonpartisan runoff system. Everyone votes for whoever they want. And the top two, you know, and the uh, if no candidate gets an absolute majority, then they do a runoff with the top two candidates um, and go right back to some, you know, polarizing things. This this would be uh, the ranked choice voting is where this happens automatically. So you don't have to the added expense mm-hmm. of running another election. That's why a lot of cities do it, by the way. This is sort of their um, answer to save money and not having to run elections all the time if they wanted to get elections where majorities win. No runoffs. So with that said, it is complicated. It has some pluses. It has some minuses. Uh, Governor Governor Lamont said uh, he'd like to see it in Connecticut. Uh, I think legislatively things would have to change, maybe a constitutional amendment, because it's not the way that things have been done in Connecticut. Uh, do you think it would really happen, or is it something that will be talked about for you know several years? I really don't think there's a, a consensus in the state um, to do this, partly because the two major parties are in charge and this um, would be against their interest in some sense, right? They, that the two parties would have to accept a system in which minor parties are playing a bigger role in who gets elected and changing the system that has kept one of the two major parties always in power um, without having much impact of a third party, it's probably not in their interest to change the system. Um, that leaves us with, you know, the rank and file voters and the people of Connecticut sort of demanding this. And we're a long way from that. People don't even really understand this system. Right. So it, it takes a long time. And, you know, um, looking at a state like Maine, where this took a long time to sort of bubble up and to be practiced by parties and by municipalities until people got used to it. And then, um, you know, a state like Maine just being fed up with the polarization and the angry politics that we have and seeing that maybe changing the rules of the game might change the way the game is played. Uh, I always use this example with my students. Um, Before the three-point line in basketball, the game favored very tall people who could jump high. And those are the people you wanted on your team in order to win games. When that three-point line was was drawn, it changed the nature of the game where smaller players who could really shoot well um, became just as valuable and perhaps more valuable than those 
giant monsters underneath dunking the ball. So um, rules can change the nature of the game. It can also change the way we see the players in the game um, and how the players interact with each other. And uh, so have we reached a point where we're so fed up with the current system that we're willing to change the rules of the game? Um, I'm not sure yet. Um, but we definitely have a very polarized and, and uh, negative-based system. And where ranked choice voting has been tried, the evidence is that some of that cools down a bit. And that might be enough for people to begin taking this idea more seriously. Well, I like your sports analogy. It's funny. Everyone, a lot of people use sports as a way to, you know, help us understand things. And I think that's true. But I think a lot of voters are frustrated uh, because, you know, we keep hearing every election cycle that people want another choice uh, to someone to vote for. But that third party candidate really can't survive. Uh, they don't have the funding. They don't, have, you know, to do advertising. And, you know, I, I think people want something different. Uh, but, you know, going and actually doing it may be two different things. But I do. I think I hear that all the time, that people may not really like the two-party system, and they are voting for the lesser of two evils. They don't care for them, and they feel that that third-party candidate is throwing their vote away. Uh, and yet, you know, you have third-party candidates in Connecticut. You know, I think you have to get like at least, what is it? It's 55,000 votes. There's a percentage there. It's one percentage yeah. of something. Um, but you have a couple of parties uh, there. Um, so, and I don't know, I'm I'm curious to see how the independent candidate is go going to do. Uh, but I think ultimately people vote for the two parties because they feel that their vote, that vote is not going to go anywhere. So with that said, I, I don't know what the options are. It sounds like ranked choice voting could be one of them. Uh, but it doesn't sound like something that's going to happen anytime soon. But it's interesting, and it is being done in other states and uh, and several other cities. I think it's good that we're just having this discussion about it, and then it is coming up. I mean, um, people who are interested in political reforms, as as I am, um, are disturbed not only by the the rancor of the two political parties in our system, the way it's set up now, but the way it turns off voters. Um, where this kind of system has been attempted, they see increases in voter turnout. Voters uh, are you know, willing to participate more in the system. And I think that's overall, that may not be great for the, the current um, balance of power between the political parties. And, but I think it's good for the system. Well, we'll leave it at that. Thank you so much for joining us on Real Talk. I hope that our listeners and viewers, uh, you know, learn something. I was very curious about ranked choice voting for a while. I couldn't understand it. And you did help me understand it better. And uh, so we'll see, you know, what happens. But it's always good to have conversations with you. And I thank you for joining us on Real Talk. Great talking to you, Susan. Right, thank Take you, care. Scott McLean, political science professor, Quinnipiac University. Thank you again. Bye-bye.